0: Costco, Broadcom, Chewy. We got some great names with earnings out and a great guy to get the numbers analyzed. George Tillis joins us uh, from his office. George, let's start with Costco, a uh, Tillis favorite destination, of course. And a, a stock that has been a favorite destination for consumer discretionary owners looks like we're going to get a little bit more buoyancy in this company after market. Uh, had a few rare sell-offs the last couple weeks.
1: Uh, it did, OJ. Oh, yeah. I think you know there might be an element of the stock itself being uh, being fully priced. It looks like it's trading just slightly to the upside on after hours. But uh, look. I think when it comes to Costco, it's uh, it's been a sort of a generational name when it comes to warehouse shopping, not only for consumers but for businesses because about 20% of their sales come from their uh, their business uh, their small business uh, division. The other thing is membership fees are key, and it looks like based on earnings, we can just talk about those uh, first. They actually missed slightly on revenue, and so the stock is performing rather well despite the miss. It looks like they came in around. billion versus the 49.63 billion. So, again, a slight miss, but still uh, a nice uh, 15% year over year clip Mm. or growth rate for the company. But EPS also uh, came in, but ahead of expectations, 298 looks like the number versus the 263. And that's about a 30% uh, increase on a year over year basis. So, the company's still generating a significant EBITDA margin relative to sales growth and same store sales X now, and not including. Gasoline, which is very volatile and, of course, difficult to gauge because of seasonality trends and so forth, came in around 9.8% relative to the same quarter last year. Now, I did get the the uh, membership fee number; it's about 946 million. That's getting closer and closer to about 5% of total sales, which is a very stable component of their uh, of their revenue growth. But they are they are able, as a shopper of Costco, it's not an endorsement of the company, by the way. Uh, they have been uh, very expensive. Their pricing power is very Very good. Uh, They're able to charge prices that are much higher than last year. I would say even much higher than many of the other wholesale outfits out there, like Sam's Club, which is owned by Walmart, but there's huge traffic still. And and I think overall it's a steady grower, but it might be fully priced because if you look at the trailing multiple around 43, uh, it's actually quite high on a stock that's done remarkably well during COVID, post COVID. And it might be finding some, uh, uh, some price action that's relatively muted, but that's not all bad to say the least.
0: All right. Uh, So, George, I think um, that what's interesting is the pricing, of course, in this inflationary period. We heard the case earlier this morning from Marin at CFRA that they might suffer from some of that inflationary pressure on the margin due to uh, trying to keep their prices reasonable, given, you know, that you're buying value in scale at Costco. They don't want to push it up too much, but it seems like they're able to make enough tweaks. I mean, it sounds like the fundamental margin situation is still very encouraging.
1: The margin growth story is still there when it comes to total profit growth. Forgive me. Margins are very thin. Uh, You know, you look at the the last quarter margins. I haven't seen them because they just came out for this quarter on a net profit basis. They were less than two and a half percent. So just think about the nature of inflation getting out of hand. You know, even if inflation is under under a calculated by two percent, when your profit margins are only about two percent, it becomes very challenging to do so. So I think at the end of the day that Costco Probably, you know, aggressively increase their prices. So they didn't get caught, uh, you know, with a, a margin squeeze because of inflation. And going forward, they might have some challenges. I would agree with the analysts uh, to increase the the level of prices From here. Uh, and that can be a challenge, especially if costs of goods sold do increase uh, commensurately or a little bit higher than expected. But, but overall, I think it's a steady name, and it's also a growth story because if you look at the 795 stores, give or take. Uh, about 85% of it are North America, so it still has a lot of international penetration, mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it all comes down to global e-commerce sales. It's only about uh, you know 7% of their total e-commerce sales, and that's still very low, so they still have a lot of room to grow, do- both domestically in e-commerce with, uh, with better options for same-day grocery delivery, which is something that Costco had lagged. Behind, uh, you know, major grocery peers like Walmart, Target, and even Kroger, mm-hmm. I think they've uh, they've picked up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, slack in that regard. But there's still a lot of growth in their e-commerce story as well as their global story.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, So maybe they're able to uh, provide a little bit of buffer to inflation through some uh, short-term adjustments, but going to be tough to keep pushing that, right? It's hard for Costco to just keep pushing that on their consumers who are there for value. Uh, Stocks doing okay though, in the aftermarket. Let's talk some tech, uh, George. Costco uh, is uh, up right now about 4.5% or Oracle. And uh, we also saw that uh, uh, Broadcom is talking about buybacks too. Broadcom is up. Both these companies are talking buybacks this afternoon. I guess that's the trick. Um, you know, for Oracle, they didn't even make money. I can't believe that Oracle is back uh, in a losing enterprise again. Uh, but uh, alas, they talk buyback uh, 10 billion, and then Broadcom says buyback 10 billion. Both are up.
1: They are look and and, uh, and see Oracle's earnings, OJ. But th- look, it, the, the company itself is a free cash flow machine. The free cash flow yield on both these companies, even Oracle and Broadcom, are plus uh, you know thirteen to fourteen percent. So that's very generous in terms of flexibility for share buybacks and dividends, despite maybe some challenging earnings environments for Oracle. But but if you look at Broadcom. Look, at the end of the day, you know, I'm gonna say it, this is a top 10 technology and semiconductor name. You know, we talk about the Fangs all the time, but this is a company that's slowly and steadily growing. I mean, it's a $250 billion company. It basically is really capitalized a large market share on radio frequency filters and amplifiers and basically three major chipsets that deliver TV, internet broadband, 5G, Wi-Fi 6, and even Bluetooth. So when you think about all these technologies that are used right now, just in this, uh, in this uh, segment, OJ, Broadcom has their hands on all, all of them. And so, at the end of the day, it's in wired infrastructure, enterprise, as well as software and services, as well as security. And, and that's a big component after they bought Computer Associates, as well as semantics in the security space. But if you just think about a steady grower and a value-based technology name, this is it. If you come in and take a look at the earnings as well, they did beat the estimates. Uh, 781 on a per share basis is the number 774 was the estimate so again marginally beat uh, as to be expected that's about uh, about 23% increase in earnings and top line sales beat looks like 741 uh, billion or 7.41 billion versus 7.6 and that's giving us here it looks like about a 15% year over year clip with an increase in the dividend because they have plenty of cash mm-hmm. Four ten, four $4.10 versus 3.60 that's a nice little uh, pop as well as another share buyback announced a 10 billion yep yeah.
0: was it like 12 13% uh, uh lift in the yeah. quarterly dividend and a 10 billion dollar buyback Uh, and the estimate for sales next quarter above the uh, analyst's uh, estimate. So uh, I would say that uh, given the two reports here, I mean, Broadcom looks quite a bit more compelling than Oracle, Uh, and it has been generally rewarded for, I think, uh, the more strength that's here uh, in a little bit more hardware and chip device-specific, right? I mean, for... Oracle, there still is an element of uh, transition happening to some degree in that legacy business and yes. and weighing on it, right? I mean, uh, again, the difference here between these two, even though they're both doing buybacks, is that um, uh, Oracle, again, just, um, you know, still uh, dealing with a loss on the bottom line of 46 cents on a gap basis. Uh, But it's still up. That stock's up 90% too. So maybe a little test here if the market likes one or the other, because there's a lot of things in common and then one big difference.
1: Yeah, look, without saying it, I I agree with you. I mean, in terms of saying which one was better right now, at the end of the day, I look at profit growth and top-line sales growth, and Broadcom has it. They also have free cash flow. Uh, metrics or margins that are 13 to 14 percent on top of that, increasing dividends, share buybacks, but you have the profitability, so you basically have everything, and, and that's why you see the trend just continue for Broadcom on a steady pace to the upside as they gain market share. You're getting growth in terms of earnings growth that is still remarkable in the, in the 20 to 30 percent range with uh, with prop with uh, revenue growth. In, in the mid-teens, and the other thing is, is you, you just look at the margin profile, very profitable company. You know, you've got a mix of hardware, which is its traditional business, but software services and security, which is a higher-margin business. I mean, gross margins at 62%, and profit margins are about 28%. So they're generating about, you know, uh, you know, 50% of net profits relative to gross margins, and that's pretty remarkable, especially for a company. OJ that's in hardware-based technology. And and that's something important to keep in mind when you're generating profit margins that are close to a social media uh, and, of course, advertising behemoths like Facebook and Google, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, very impressive. All right, George, uh, hey, one more here. We're running out of time, but we got to talk. Chewy, yeah. uh, for right. me, this is like the one COVID stock that doesn't have to be a COVID stock, right? Like compared to all the others right. that were specifically kind of quarantine oriented, this to me is one that should be able to at some point turn the trend around. But it's not going to be today, George. They're down 8% in the aftermath. No, they're down 10% now in the aftermarket. Sales were in line, still operating a loss of $0. $0.08 cents per share. Revenue growth, 24%, not enough right now?
1: No, I don't think so. Look, 22%, OJ, if that's the number, is good. Or even 24%, Was I believe expected for, yeah, 23 or 24% is good, but it's not good relative to last year, 45%. Now, 45% it last Pete year, been because of covid yeah, but it also might represent peak growth. But at the end of the day, it's still growing. I mean, when it comes to the only or the largest dedicated uh, e-commerce pet supplier for everything for pet insurance, uh, subscription-based uh, health care, as well as uh, uh, prescriptions and all the uh, the pet accessories, foods, and so forth, this is the largest name out there on a single basis. But the, the challenge for Chewy, and, and I'm not surprised to see to the downside because of the overall trend, and it's basically – uh, it's still a secular story, but I think it's been a COVID story. If you look at you know Chewy or even Petco symbol uh, WOOF uh, W, uh, uh, w OJ oh, you know <laughs> WOOF, uh, they're both down. They're both down about 20 to 30 percent this year. So it, people are still spending on their pets, but I think the story is from a stock ownership standpoint, we're seeing uh, multiple compression because of the growth nature of their businesses. But at the end of the day. Uh, You know, Chewy is still a a very uh, trusted brand, and I think people will still continue to use them. I think there's still a growth story here, but we are seeing, unfortunately, compression in multiples because, look, you know, they don't have scale. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, many of their products can be bought on other sites like Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and so forth, Mm -hmm. but not in the same, you know, sort of uh, atmosphere or environment. But also the, the elements of subscription services and, of course, loyalty programs, those are additional uh, sweeteners in terms of sales for the company, but unfortunately, the the growth rates relative to last year are down, and that's why it's just, it's been punished.
0: Yeah, and it still is, uh, you know, for the most part, just uh, uh, consumer e-commerce, which means you got to compete to your point uh, with the with the big ones out there. We'll see if it makes sense to have it as a standalone enterprise, but maybe we're learning that they're going to have to come up with something different, kind of like the conversation with Zoom too, which is hey, it had a purpose, it it was uh, served, and now where do you get growth going forward, and something unique that just can't be absorbed, right. you know, into it, into a different business? Uh, all right, we got Iran GT. Nice work on the earnings. Chewy down. Broncom, think, Oracle man? up. Lulu solid. Thank you, George. Costco also solid right now.